0: Week four of 10 guests, 10 topics in 10 weeks here on Sports Sushi. Uh, I've got Joe Todaro, also known as Sweatpants Joe, here with us tonight. Uh, he's a lifelong fan of the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres, so he's got a lot of first hand experience <laughs> with our with our topic. Sure and, I am <laughs> and as always, uh, we got Sterling over here on my digital right. Sterling, how, how's your week going?
1: Uh, pretty good man pretty good it's thursday we're getting snow here tomorrow so it's gonna be a good day
2: sterling know. where are you
1: uh colorado
2: Co- i i don't know why i thought you were in texas probably because you always roll with the texans in gml
1: but i i switch it up man because oh, okay. chris <laughs> has the bills so i can't pick the bills
0: uh, he's he's homeless until i get i get frustrated and, and give up on him yeah yeah so speaking of frustrated and, and giving up on them, uh, tonight's topic is the culture of, of losing. And specifically what we're going to be looking at is, is elite players on perennially bad teams, teams that have gone through droughts and extended periods of, of losing, and uh, just overall how a player keeps their mindset, how they keep keep their, their motivation and focus when they're on lost seasons, uh, lost careers, um, franchises? Is it in the walls? Is it people? Is it uh, psychology? What what creates a culture of losing? Um, so to start the show off here, guys, I've got a trivia question for both of you. Uh, and let's see if combined the two of you can answer this question. Do you know who the team with the most losses is, is in each of the four major sports?
2: Hmm.
1: Teams with the most losses in each of the... Okay. Yeah. Which
0: which uh, team has the most historical losses?
2: You, in- you got to in- go with an old team then in each sport, I would imagine. Like one of the founding teams. Like for hockey, I almost want to go out and say like one of the original six, probably like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ding, you ding, ding, pass. ding. Toronto yeah.
0: Maple Leafs for the NHL. Yeah. That, I, I
2: mean, they've been around for a 100 years. So it, it just makes sense. You want to go with an old team um football i would probably say the chicago bears no no maybe the detroit lions then
1: oh uh, sterling Getting football yeah arizona cardinals
0: arizona cardinals
2: okay yeah that actually makes sense because they are an older team yeah they've been they've been to a few different cities yeah but they, they are an old team yeah nba uh,
1: Sacramento NBA. Kings, they've been trashed for a long time. First guess.
2: Wow, good guess. And that, uh, that's, a, that's another team that they hopped city to city. Oh. Did you know that the Kings actually have an NBA championship when they were in Rochester? What? The, the, they were that's the Rochester crazy. Royals, and they have an NBA championship in the 1950s. One From of the years back. in the 50s they won. Dang. Yeah. So Rochester has an NBA championship. Syracuse <laughs> even has one. The 76ers started off in Syracuse, and they won the championship there. So Rochester and Syracuse have championships, and Buffalo doesn't.
1: <laughs> Buffalo's cursed.
0: <laughs> and so the last one on the board is baseball. Uh,
1: I would say either the Pirates or the Phillies.
2: I, I'm going to say – I'm going to go with the Phillies. I'm going to say Cleveland. Phillies. Phillies. Okay,
1: because the Phillies were—I'm re- talking horrid. Like in the '60s, they were terrible. Them boys are bad.
2: Yeah.
0: So let's let let's start with the fan perspective first. Now, all three of us happen to be Bills fans. It's just it is what it is. But we've also been fans of other teams. In that, what what is the mindset of fans that? really know their team has no chance and they're just forever losers. One of these four teams, for example. How do you stay interested in sports and your team and kid yourself into believing that we got a chance?
2: I'm just thinking about like all the years the Bills were bad. Those drought years. Uh They They were bad but with the exception of a couple of years going into it, you thought because They weren't that bad, like you thought yeah, okay, yeah they were ever bad you know? enough to be terrible. Yeah, right. It's like maybe this year they'll get to nine wins and sneak <laughs> into the playoffs and have something to build on, and that's kind of how it was the entire time. Obviously, that first year with Chan Gailey, like I knew going into that year, no, this is essentially an expansion year, but other than that, like every year you're like Okay, they were like seven and nine last year. They started off good. They went out and got a piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the year they try. They they finally break through. Is that That's worse? kind of the mentality I had all those years? Is that worse
0: is that than worse? being terrible?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: but it kind of jacks with you too because like you have this like false hope. At least I did with the Bills. Yeah. Like you just hope that. The, a player would just out of nowhere be this special thing, right? right. Like, how many times do we think, "Oh yeah, uh, Sean Bryson, or <laughs> uh, you know Travis Henry was gonna take the NFL by storm, or you know Thad Lewis, and um, you know name another Bills, cor- JP Lossman, like EJ I mean, Manuel,
2: I think was the one. Oh, that dude, the most. I thought that he was a stud. And uh, we all did.
0: Trent yeah. Edwards. Trent Edwards was the one that broke my heart. <laughs> and it was in it was in Arizona. uh um, right. After yeah, he got five and oh
1: drilled. And,
0: yeah. And we're, yeah. we're out there dying in the fucking parking lot on, on hot asphalt with <laughs> one of our buddies in the hospital from the night before. And. I'll never forget it. Jeff is there in, at the tailgate and goes, what if this is as good as it gets? What if this is the high <laughs> point of the season? And yeah. everyone's like, no, there's no fucking way, man. Trent Edwards. Five is and one,
1: baby. We're five and <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah. He,
0: he got smoked, end up in the hospital bed next to our buddy, and the Bills finished the season six and ten, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah like six and ten or seven and nine. Yeah. yeah. It was bad, and oh.
0: forever in my head. I, what if this is as good as it gets, and that really was as good as it got? And you know, they did,
2: they did win the following week, and then they didn't win again until Christmas Eve.
0: Golly! And Edwards, is, <laughs> Edwards was never the same.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, do you guys, do you guys believe
0: that when a culture of losing sets in, that it becomes something about the franchise itself, or it's really about? people and a regime or a period of time. What, what do you guys kind of think happens with that stuff? Is it just as easy as the, the the wrong people or is there something deeper that sets into the walls?
1: I think it's both. I think it's both man, because like you look at Chicago bears, for instance, like there is just uh, i I'm a big believer in sports psychology, you know, the makeup of players and people in general, I think it's important. So when you go to a losing franchise that has been perennial losers for for a decade, it's hard. It's hard. I don't care how good you are. You know, there are more examples of it not working out than them working out. You know, like the Chicago Bulls when Jordan got there, they've been terrible for a long time, and it took a it took a hot minute. I mean, he gave the he gave excitement, but. They still sucked.
2: <laughs> yeah, they were they were bad. Yeah, people don't remember that. They're like they were not good. Jordan's first few years uh-huh. on the team, they didn't get good until Scottie Pippen got there, and yep. even then they couldn't get past Detroit in the playoffs or New York. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Joe, do
0: you think it's more the the psychology and the, the culture of of the, the history of the franchise or the people in charge at the current present time?
2: I, I got to make the argument for both sides. Um, like during the bills drought, we saw a lot of their good players, the guys who like they would draft number one overall have solid careers in Buffalo. And then they, soon as their contract year was up, they're like, I'm out, they're done. Um, and I think the culture is part of that. Like, like Stefan Gilmore is probably the most recent example of that when he like he just missed the Bills being good he was he was there he was um who I think it was Rex Ryan's draft pick and and then he was just like no my friends and family don't get to watch me on TV so he jumped and he signed with the Patriots yeah. but we saw that with other players too um they would just as soon as their contract was up they were out and i think that has changed now obviously in buffalo but for the longest time that's how it was. And I don't know if it's, if it's an organizational way like of doing business or if it's just the player's mindset of this team is never going to be good. I got to get out of here. So I, it's, it's kind of both, but like, I don't think the players would think that way if they had a like a system to buy into. And for the longest time in Buffalo, there was just nothing there. So, I wonder if there's
0: ever been a study done that shows the success rate. Now, some the other three drafts have lottery systems, but just using mm-hmm. the NFL based yeah. off of it's almost more often than not, it's the weaker teams drafting higher than than the good teams. What the success rate is for, like, let's just say first-round picks – that are drafted to teams that have two, three years of history of of losing and the back half of the draft of where these teams have – because I think not only are they surrounded by better players, but they're also in better environments and and have better time to develop and there's not as much pressure on them. So I'd love to see what this – you assume there's more talent getting picked at the higher side. And where I'm going with this is if if you're getting drafted and you know – like. Like Williams's situation right now, you, that you're going to a team that's really in a rut and and in in the spinning their wheels. Should you have enough confidence and believe you're going to be the 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 thing that changes it and turns it around, or should you be more smart and 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 and? Bl- ruthlessly reasonable about it and realize you got a better chance of being chewed up and spit out than you do of being the cog that ch- turns it all around. Wh- which right. do you think is in a smart, savvy top of the draft athletes mindset in this day and age?
1: Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough one because you got guys like Caleb Williams, who's like constant. He was contemplating, Hey, I'm not coming out if I have to go play for this franchise. You know, you've, you've seen team uh, Eli Manning was like, yo, I'm not going to play for the chargers.
2: Right. I ain't doing it. Um, Elway was the same with Baltimore. Yep. Uh-huh. So
0: is that more of a justified mindset, do you think, now? with If you're sophisticated enough to realize how often these guys get chewed up and spit out by bad franchises, is this a reasonable position for players to start taking?
1: I think in certain sports. I don't think it's a, a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, so, like, I think football, because you're in your shelf life is, you know, you only get, like, one shot, really. Yeah. Um, Baseball, you can be you could play baseball for 30 years. You, right. you know what I'm saying? I, I think it's a little bit different. Um Base, football baseball, you're tough. also
2: you're also not usually playing with the team that drafts you. Like yeah. you end up somewhere else. So
1: I have a living case in point here. Um, the Colorado Rockies, man. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about a, a franchise that is ridden with uh loser mentality. Christian and you we've talked about loser mentality a lot and there was a time where the Rockies uh, was it was like in uh, 2005 was when they had that World Series run since then dude since then in the last six years man this team they, they lost 103 games last year that was the most in their franchise history when they draft good players you know what they do they trade them. They trade them. And they they are content with just being bad. And then what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll they'll try to find this old, wily veteran that once was a name and go sign him. But li- these are guys that – let's listen to this. Guys that the Rockies have gotten rid of. Tulo Tulewitzki. I don't know if you guys remember him. Uh, Ubalde Jimenez, pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan Arenado, great player, got rid of him trevor's story got rid of him i mean the list goes on and on and it's like they're content with just being terrible all the time i like my fear is is the teams that
0: like i'll just use the bills as an example that are that are content to be in the contender conversation but never willing to make the bold rams like decision that puts you over the top right Oh, and, and I feel like that's that's another form of a loser mindset, because how often in sports has the team that, oh, let's just protect the status quo, let's not make any bold decisions or, or actions or moves, been the team that wins anything like it's always you've got to be aggressive. You've got to recognize the moment and, and there's there's risk reward with it, but you've got to pick the time to put the chips in and say, like, this is our go for time.
2: I feel like the Bills and the Dodgers kind of do a similar strategy with that, where they're mm. just like, good enough. We're we're good. We're gonna we're gonna be at the top of our division every year. We're never gonna we're lose our gonna jobs. Just, yeah, we're not gonna make the move to put us over the top and win it all. It worked for the Dodgers one year. They they had the COVID year and they won the World Series. But I mean, they're just other than that, like they're just losers in the postseason ever since. Um, prior to that, they lost in the postseason, uh-huh. And I think the bills are kind of copying that strategy. We're like, yeah, one year we will, we will finally get there. Whether it's Mahomes is injured. Like this was the year to do it because the chiefs were having a down year. Burrow was injured and they missed the playoffs. This was the year for the bills to do it. But, uh, I think the bills are just playing that strategy. We're like, yeah, we're good. Eventually we'll get it done. If we don't, whatever. Like, I think that's, yeah and and as, and as long as we don't
0: do anything too crazy we're all going to yeah. be here 10 to 15 years minimum.
2: Yeah, I think as long as they uh. keep winning the division McDermott is going to yeah. be safe.
0: So, so I don't, I don't want to get too focused on the story of being around the Bills, but well, like, hold
1: on though. You, sh- th- this is this is applicable, right? Because yeah. Oh, yeah. the the Bills yeah. are a prime example of a loser franchise.
0: So right. here, here's yeah. something, here's something that really popped out to me at the end of the season press conference. That like, oh boy, we're in for a long haul here. Um, one of, one of my silver lining hopes. Was that at some point Brandon Bean, who I had the utmost respect for, like, like he's made some misses, had some, but you sure. know, who's not? Who's not going to? I like, I really liked him, other than the 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 the, the stupid power structure of how they were hired, which, again, are, are, are the results of a culture of losing. Now you have to give somebody more power than they otherwise would have had just to come here. And it, it completely disrupts things down the road when you have to have a, a culture of accountability in the next stage. I, I think that's disruptive. But uh, one of the things that Bean said when somebody started asking him about, like, McDermott, and is he on the hot seat or, or, or what are we looking at here is, well... It, it's not like he's out there making blunders and, and and coaching mistakes that are costing us games. It's not like that's what we're talking about here. And it just struck me like a friggin' two-ton brick. If your boss doesn't know you're fucking up, are you actually fucking up?
2: Right. The thing is, though, like the way the bill structure is, like McDermott – doesn't report to Bean. He reports to the owner. Yes, but the so, owner
0: is trusting the people to who would yeah. Well, to, in order to understand the mistakes that the coach is making, he's trusting the the people that would be explaining him the mistakes that are making the mistakes. Right. You know what, you yeah. get what I'm saying. Right. So yeah. There, there's nobody that's gonna you know he's like a fucking idiot on fourth downs, uh, like right. or 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 timeout right. or anything like that. If it's if it's not Bean, which clearly Bean doesn't see an issue. Right. Who else is the one that's going to say to Pagula like – um
1: Well, here, I, I'll Wall say this. Guy. I think Bean knows. The problem is McDermott hired I Bean. He, I thought he – McDermott hired Bean, and that's right. his guy. And I could live with the loyalty. You, like he got you the job. You got
0: to be loyal. That was where I was like, okay, I can respect him for that. I hate it. It's a stupid way it got structured. I respect you for it. But if Bean legitimately doesn't think he's making coaching mistakes that are costing them games, especially in the playoffs – there's a much bigger problem here. And then it started hitting me like a, like if if we all just close ranks around each other and maintain the status quo and don't make any crazy, bold acts of swings that could t- t- topple the whole thing over, we can just steady this thing down the road for 10 to 15 years as executives, head coaches, families. We're all family here. Raise two generations in, in Buffalo and, and have a whole era. Like, yeah. remember, this is a city that celebrates losers. I, I love, I love, <laughs> I love the '90s Bills more than anybody. But I really think putting these guys on the same, equal, and legendary status as as actual other cities' Hall of Famers and and championship winners set a bad precedence for our city, and it started a slippery slope where now we're just satisfied being relevant. And I think that's where it goes when when you let that real loser mindset set in that you don't want to go for it.
1: You know who Sean McDermott is? So you know, there's a saying that says uh in the Bible, even there's nothing new under the sun, right? <laughs> Sean McDermott is Marty Schottenheimer 2.0. A guy who Drumball. right? Who's gonna be good in the regular season? But when the chips when the chips are down, he is going to show who he is and he's going to have said blunder. The Bills defense, for instance shits the bed every single season in the playoffs. Sean I McDermott is Marty Schottenheimer.
0: He's not a difference maker when he's up against coaches who are difference makers. Right. right.
2: And he's a, he uh, It's not just the playoffs. The defense shits the bed whenever they play a decent team, it seems like. This year, they kind of stepped up, but they didn't step up until the last part of the season where it was like, oh no, we can't lose any more games. But the defense let them down against New England. Um... They let them down against Denver. They almost let them down against the Giants. The Eagles. So, here's something. Yeah, well, the, the Eagles, yeah. So. Here,
0: here's something that's really been messing with my head lately. When you start – you know how, like, brilliant people execute strategies over a long period of time? And, mm-hmm. and, and you can't really see that, how it unfolded, until looking backwards on those type of things. And – Looking backwards now on um, from the, the very start of the the Sean McDermott era, in fact, if you just follow the Sean McDermott story all the way back, his quote unquote mentor was Andy Reed, who fired him. Right. Now, now you just take the okay, whatever. You use that read for a while, coaches get fired, they move around all the time, and all this, that, and the other thing. But then he gets his head coaching job, and not only does freaking Coach of the Year, Mickey D, come in and and take over a quarterback-starved team, but he he openly admits he didn't scout the quarterback class. But, okay, hmm, you weren't going to draft a quarterback. Fine, but you're drafting high enough you should know their value in case, I don't know, somebody calls up and wants to trade for that value, and you have no idea what you're sitting on or what you're holding because you didn't even look at the quarterback classes. Oh, who's on the phone? Your old mentor that knows you just took over a quarterback starved needy team and has no idea what you're sitting on with that pick and knows that you're a fucking idiot <laughs> well, makes the trade. And then, oh, who's who's the wall you keep running into over and over again? It, it's not just it's not just Mahomes, who over by the way, you didn't know the value of and gave to them. I love make I love Allen. I love him. But you, you, you still have to reconcile you gave away value you didn't understand to your mentor who knew that you were an easy target to be snuffed on that trade deal. Then you now keep running into the two of them over and over in the playoffs. Who knows your weaknesses and and and, and how to keep beating you over and over again better than the mentor who fired you? Because clearly he knew there was a big there was a big flaw in the game here. So I just feel like we're living in this reality where we have to accept. That Shaw McDermott might have been a long game patsy of Andy Reid.
1: Yeah, but I think we got to give him, we got to cut him some slack on the on the Mahomes trade, just for the simple fact that he's a defensive minded coach who has no idea what the draft class looks like. And
0: got fleeced for and it. And got
1: fleeced for it. Now he should have consulted his his scouting department, but they they kind of they kind of. So what had happened was they got rid of a lot of the scouts. And and that's to, good. I, I, yeah, I,
0: that's why he, he was drafting players. The whole backstory, but all I'm saying is Andy Reid might. Got like, him. I, I've looked down on Andy Reid for a while, and blah, 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 but I really think he might be a secret silent assassin. And freaking, he knew that he what he was going after, what he was going to get, and who he was going so, after,
2: who he could get it from. I saw a clip, it, I actually just saw it. It was either yesterday or today, and it kind of puts this whole thing in perspective too, though. Andy Reid, I guess, the year before Mahomes was trying to trade up to draft Paxton Lynch. And he thought Paxton Lynch was going to be the next big thing, the next big quarterback. Obviously, the Broncos ended up getting Paxton Lynch, and the Chiefs trade down and they select Chris Jones. And then the next year, they make the trade up and they get Mahomes. How so lucky. They... Hold on. <laughs> How lucky. <laughs>
1: How mother effing lucky are the so, fucking Chiefs?
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're just so, gonna
1: fall into Chris Jones, you know? <laughs> we're gonna fall into Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, get the out of here. Did, did no, they, and they, if, did they fall out of Paxton, or would, Paxton have been out of good Paxton, it,
0: would he together. have been good if you end up underneath? Who, Randy
1: he was the right. dumbest quarterback I think I've ever seen in my life. Paxton Lynch was awful, awful. So, yeah.
2: It was Mel Kiper. He was the one talking about it. So if that all if that all happens, like this whole conversation is different. And mm-hmm. I've also heard reports that Pagula wanted to take Mahomes, and Doug Whaley I, talked him out of it. Doug Whaley, the guy that he fired after the draft, that he, that he knew that he was going to
0: fire after the draft.
2: Yeah, he said, "Listen, I can take Mahomes here, but you told your fans you're going to win this year, so we should trade down." And get the extra pick and not take a quarterback. <sighs> Doug Whaley talked him out of Patrick Mahomes.
1: I can't stand Doug Whaley. I yeah.
0: I hope that somewhere deep down inside Pagula knows that, like I, I this guy got me here, but he just he ain't gonna take me there. Like some guys are just good at fixing like broken things and, and getting them back. Oh, to- yeah.
2: I mean, Pagula was the one who walked into the Sabers and gave Lindy Ruff an extension. A guy who never won anything because he was beloved. So you
0: know what the assassin move is and what and was, was when the second the, the Carolina Panthers fired their coach, the assassin move was to trade Sean McDermott to the Panthers, where they could actually use him, need him, right. and he could build that team back up, take that extra value, and get one of these offensive guys out here that would have jumped at the chance to come to come come the freaking buffalo and and take allen and a bunch of draft capital
2: i i think harbaugh would have jumped at the chance oh. that's for sure oh you're oh, speaking yeah.
1: my language you're speaking yeah. my language oh, he I'm absolutely a, absolutely would have big harbaugh fan i mean i'm a yeah. michigan guy so uh jim harbaugh is my guy
0: yeah okay so, totally. so so
1: uh kind of bringing it back to the the broad
0: strokes of of the culture of losing here Uh, When it comes to personal accolades, do you guys think they're easier or harder to obtain on a terrible team?
2: Depends on the position. Um, Quarterback, you're going to get a bunch of more yards because you're throwing because you're from behind (laughs) all game. Um, Running back, obviously the opposite is true. You're not going to get your yards or carries because you're behind all game. So, um, yeah, it depends on the position. And then, like I said, same could be said for every sport. You got all-stars on every team, and not all the teams are good. So obviously you can get your accolades. So,
1: Well, the
0: thinking goes that bad teams rely on their stars more and and more more wear
1: and tear on them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, there are countless examples in the NBA where – Yeah.
2: Toronto comes to mind because they happen to have the hoodie on, but Scotty Barnes does everything on the Raptors. And he's a 22 year old kid. He's been in the league. This is his third year now, and they rely on him to do everything. And they're pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, Allen Iverson. um, Yeah, yeah. They struggled for year for years with Allen. Uh, I mean, that dude was doing everything. He had guys like Larry Hughes as his running mate, like Eric Snow, like get out of here, Dallin Bear as a center, like they were they were bad, you know. Like in Allen, I mean, he dude had to he he had to put up 35 uh, shots a game to get 30 points. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. So I think it's harder when you have a losing culture, a losing franchise for, you know, these great players to come in um, and make a, a tremendous difference. Like look at Andrew Luck and what he had to endure when he was playing for the Colts. Now he did, you know, he kind of Peyton Manning got him to a place. They drafted Andrew Luck, but once peyton manning i mean think about playing in the shadow of a peyton manning and a, a hall of famer quarterback and then they're like you know what we got the quarterback but we're not going to put anything around him. and they were bad for <laughs> a little bit you know what i'm saying like that yeah. he was getting rocked and look at him now like, he don't even want to he don't even want to see a football <laughs> that kind of kind of piggybacks right it segues perfectly into the next question
0: do you feel like there's a higher rate of injury and risk playing on a bad team both absolutely. trying to trying to stay motivated and extra wear and tear and usage on you.
2: Yeah. You could make the case for Kobe after the championship years. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the end when he was really it was it was Kobe and nobody, and he was pretty much getting hurt all the time, especially those last couple years of his career. Um, yeah, so you absolutely can get injured. I don't know if age has a lot to do with that either. It's not like Kobe was ancient, though. He was still in his 30s when he retired because he came out of high school but yeah you can make the case for that
1: i mean I, I look at i look at baseball um you know there's like pitchers for instance you know um i don't know if you guys remember from the giants tim uh tim linsicum like yeah. 2008 he was a phenomenal yeah. pitcher bob gibson with the cardinals back in the day um walter johnson with the senators this now this is like really like this is like aging uh, baseball history though, this was like 1910 with the Washington Senators, but he was phenomenal. Like, these there are guys out there who, uh, and I, I love, I love like the history of baseball when it comes to like topics like these because there's it's so, uh, history enriched where you can look at like, okay, we know like back, you know, it's kind of changed, but pitching is still king. Like, you got to have some aces in there. And when you got, you have guys pitching now, they're pitching, you know, every three to four days, right? Um, trying to get out there instead of every five days and it just it's wearing turning them out wearing them out yeah. you know yeah we mean? see
2: that with uh Clayton Kershaw every year. oh yeah he's always getting hurt now mm-hmm. um, and he's not ready for the playoffs because they use him so much in the regular season yeah so it's like yeah you can totally see that
0: do you guys feel that weaker teams are more attractive to self selfish players or cultivate more selfish players
2: I think money well, is that's the a great attractive question. thing to the selfish players. So whatever team's going to they're going to be able to fleece out of the most money is where they're going to go. So <laughs> you're right uh, on that. I agree and, and the weaker
0: that. teams have to pay more so they right. become more attractive to selfish players. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're playing in a lost cause and and losing seasons and and year after year of bad teams, you you naturally become selfish about your own stats and your own career. Of just get what I can get because it ain't going to be team success. Yeah. So
2: that's, that's why To played for the Bills and the Bengals the last two years of his career. <laughs>
1: yeah, because they'd overpay uh, Mario um, Williams. Yeah. They pay him a ton of money. But which do you think is more
0: of a cultural problem for losing teams: creating creating the selfish players or attracting the selfish players?
1: Attracting the selfish
0: players. Yeah,
2: attracting. Yeah.
1: What do you think?
0: I I don't know. I mean, I understand you got to pay more uh, to get the players, which is naturally going to bring the, the, the me guys. But I feel like to some extent, you still have control over the mitigating factors of that. You can still know a player's reputation. You can still choose to bring that selfish player in. It's not like... That like that player just coming into the, the the building and becoming and and you don't know what you're getting. Where like if you're drafting players, they could be good players. They could they could go on to have great careers. But the grind of being in a shitty environment is chewing them up and making them realize that I might as well just worry about my own bag here mm-hmm. you have no control over that you're yeah. like, i mean you do to an extent but you're not choosing to bring that into your building as much as the culture is creating it for you so you uh you could have five of those for every one that you bring into the building that's,
2: that's jack eichel right there yeah. oh my god <laughs> jack eichel
0: man yeah was yeah. he was he a, a malcontent or did the the the, the fucking this place they turned, to him, him, into, they yeah.
2: turned him into a malcontent. They, they, they did yeah they they drafted him he was you know he was happy to come to buffalo then they paid him and they paid him a lot of money but i just think all the years of losing just finally got to him and and he had enough and he wanted to have one procedure done and the, the team wanted another and that was it that was, he was done so how rigid,
1: the how rigid, and just dumb do you have to be to force Jack Eichel out of town because you wanted him to get a surgery that uh, and and something that he didn't want to do? He wanted uh, right. to go a different route. Like you, you there's, there's no winning that argument.
0: Like he, <laughs> it's like, his
1: body. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like and and at the worst case scenario, it's never going to happen. You're going to end up losing the player or disenfranchised. Like there's no winning that argument.
1: Yeah. Why I don't understand like like the whole Terry Pagula thing like um why is he so like who's making the decisions is it does he just sign off on all this stupidity with the sabers cuz they're always bad always right yeah to me
0: to me the sabers are the have become the quintessential example of a losing culture no matter how much talent they put into there no matter how much people high draft picks they they collect no matter how many different people they hire and fire through there. Mm -hmm. Nobody can get any kind of traction. And it's not even like, like, Oh, we're, we're, we're mediocre. It's it's trash. It's It's like, how are you not getting kicked out of the sport? (laughs) If this was soccer, you would have got bumped down three
2: levels. Like their team right now has talent, like at every position. I'm not saying they're exact team. Like weren't they supposed to be better this year supposed. Last year, they missed the playoffs. They won the point. status
0: quo because they yeah. just needed another year of development.
2: And so this year, it's just now they're bad. And it's like, it's mind boggling. Like, this team can't make the next step. They have a goaltender now, finally. Like, they're like, oh, one of our guys will step up. And one of them has stepped up. Uh, UPL is amazing. But... Yeah. They How? can't win. They can't win more than two games in a row in a season. Sixty percent
0: of the teams make the playoffs, and they can't even come close. Yeah. Th- these guys can't make it through a season without a fifteen-game losing streak. It's the craziest <laughs> shit I've ever
2: seen. There was there was at <laughs> one point where they were playing Tampa a few weeks ago, and it was like if you beat Tampa, you're within five points of a wild card spot. If you lose, you drop down to nine points out of the wild card spot. Of course, they lost. So well, it's like <laughs> I, I've never
0: seen a team in the first half of a season that is so terrified of being 500. It, it, it blows my mind yeah. whenever whenever they're down below 500, they might route some teams and, and blow them out. The second they get to that game where they could go one game above 500, they get smoked and lose like six straight and then climb back. <laughs> they're, 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 they're like the hockey equivalent of. So, so oh, I always forget this fucking guy's name, but the guy that pushes the boulder up the hill and, and rolls back down, <laughs> and the boulder is five hundred for them. The, yeah. the bar is so low. But is that like this, this? This 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 building, this franchise is just chewing up and spitting out talent. And, and, yeah. and by spitting out, I mean destroyed. <laughs> it, it, is this? Is this the people in charge? Is this the building? Is this the 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 city? The
2: the 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 air? I, I I don't know. It's like, I just think that I was saying this about the Bills all those years. I'll say it about them. They're just broken and you can't fix them. You really can't. It's, I don't know what it is. Like, you're going to bring in another guy to coach, but like, it's the same players. And I think the players have talent. So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is.
0: And then these guys that are all supposedly malcontents or just never lived up to their potential, and that the second they're moved, they 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 produce and deliver, yeah. win Stanley Cups. So, like the next question becomes: Let's look at this stuff from the players' perspective now. Whether it's the Sabers or um, the zero and sixteen Lions back in the day, how mm-hmm. how does a player stay motivated to go out there and put their body at risk and and play their hardest? Knowing that they're like, I mean, players are smart. They, they, they know what they're up against. Right. I yeah. think it's,
2: they're, they're professionals and they're expected to, but yeah. Like, how do you, is it just the money? I mean, is that. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, I, a lot I, of them are trying to get bonuses. So statistical bonuses. So that's what you motivate yourself for. Um, But at the same time, like if you've been a starter all year, you might be in a situation where you're going to get benched because they want to see what the rookie can bring. So. Yeah. I think I
1: think it is the money because how many great players on bad teams do you see leave? They usually get resigned to bigger right. next contracts, second contracts, third contracts for a lot of money. And I think you kind of, you know, accept the deal with the devil that you'll never uh, you'll be great yourself, but you'll never win anything in terms of your legacy. And I think yeah. money is king now.
2: Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kept resigning with the Cardinals, and they never won anything. So, yeah. so do you,
0: do you think at that point it just becomes about like, a, like I maintaining the status quo as far as a career goes? Like I, I can get paid well here. There's low expectations. Like there's not a lot of pressure on me. My family's here. We're here. Like ah, at the end of the day, who who cares about the wins and losses? And and then. No. Does that not yeah. sustain the culture itself?
2: The only person I could think of who left, who was great and left because he wanted to win a championship was Reggie White. This was like 30 years ago. <laughs> there hasn't been one since Who's like, I'm leaving to win a championship. So,
1: Oh yeah. Reggie White. He's from my hometown. I met him as a kid. He used to have these, um, these football camps that yeah. I used to attend as a kid in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, that's where he, that's where he was from. So yeah, I got to, 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 to you know shake his hand and and uh do drills instructed by him as a kid so it's pretty cool
2: yeah like you never hear a player say i'm leaving to go to this team to win a championship yeah it's never the case so that was the only time that was literally the only time was reggie white and of course green bay paid him a ton of money to come but and won, and won the championship, and right. they won the championship. But they, the he's that's why he said he went there was to win the championship.
1: Should have had two if it wasn't for the stupid John Alway. Give that, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you know what I think though? I don't, and I, this is a question for you both. Do you guys feel like when you look at the Bills and Josh Allen, like I had, I had to really this, this last loss to the Chiefs really broke me. I ain't gonna lie, like I had a really hard time with it. I've been trying to like prepare you
0: for it for all yes. season. Man. No,
1: you have, you have, and, and I, I drink the Kool Aid at points, but I, you know, I've been more critical lately. But I almost felt better about the Bills being seven and nine. I had more hope when they were seven and nine. You're than I for that do... Giants Magic season, where they went <laughs> nine and seven, they slipped in. Yeah, and, and I had just... more excitement, and I covered the team. I had more excitement, uh, I felt like I had more excitement. In those times, just wishing, who are they going to draft? We got, you know, we're going to be, you know, around 10 to 15 draft pick, and they could trade up because, you know, they're not, they got salary cap space. So free agency was always fun. And now I look at the Bills and I go, who, I don't care who you draft. Right. I don't care who you sign a free agency because you ain't got no damn money. But all I know is we're going to play the Chiefs or the Bengals in the second round to get our ass whooped because we got a head coach who's going to not show up. Uh, defensively And, and i'm like how do i get myself up for another season so how do you guys feel about that
0: i don't even like my thing with mcdermott is the exact thing that dan campbell is dan campbell is a walking talking battery like When you're down, when when you're 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 going through it, when the season's getting tough and you're dredging, when you can't get motivated, you just go over there and you stand within three, four, five feet of that guy. And 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 static electricity is gonna get you fired the fuck up and 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 ready to go. And and just that 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 is the it factor. Like the lions to me overachieved this season and and you say what you will about golf he's played well he's been nice but I really think they overachieved this season and I think a lot of it had to do with fucking attitude not just attitude yeah. in the locker room and the energy of the coach but the attitude on the field of we're going for it did that come back to haunt him yes but every once in a while you're going to get fucking three outed on the river and it's not going to be your fault all the same people laughing at at Dan Campbell and wanting him to be fired because he went for that there are, they are completely oblivious to the fact that kind of decision making yeah. is exactly right. why we're not getting over the hump. You take that and apply it to Josh Allen and what this team does, and, and, and we are right back to blowing people away. It's the difference to me in one and sco- two score games and close games is the fact that there's no fucking attitude here.
2: Yeah, whereas Dan Campbell probably should have kicked the field goal to go up by three scores. I feel like the Bills should have went for it on fourth down rather than kick the field goal attempt. Uh, but against but you made the right decision. The guy was open. Like, like. 90, oh, no, I'm, I'm not saying that was the wrong decision. I'm saying – 95 fourth, out of 100 times, yeah. that guy's catching that ball wide open and, and game fourth, over. And fourth down rather than kicking the field goal and going for the tie. I think they should have went for it is what I think they should have done. Well,
1: I don't know. I'm i okay oh, with no, the decision definitely. to trot Bass out there because at what point – I mean, you got – I mean, that's a chip shot field goal. Let's be real. Like, Tyler Bass is paid top five kicker in the league. Right. You got You got to make
2: that. Yeah, and he didn't So I'm okay he,
1: with that decision.
2: I don't – That have, has been pretty bad the last half of the yeah, season. Yeah. Too. I don't yeah. have as much problem with the
0: decision as I have as the blatant – like, you couldn't – whatever it is about the timeline that we currently live in, when you make a, a monumental mistake or, or, or de- make a stupid declaration, the karma train is swinging around so fast yeah. on, on everybody in this day and age. And the bills from, from the Steelers game to the chiefs game had exactly that happen. And, and, all these people are dogging Tony Romo. You got Sal Mauri, whoever the hell it is, uh, <laughs> and Sal Capaccio. Can't, oh, can't. Oh, I don't like Romo. He's, he makes no no good points and all of that. Can't and uh, they worship at the altar of McDermott. Can't understand why why people think he's bad and makes mistakes. And and this just washes over everybody in the last two weeks. And and I'll tell you exactly how it played out because it was identical from one week to the, the other. Second and nine inside the 30-yard line, just outside of the two-minute warning, just before the half against the Steelers. You run the fucking ball. You tell your quarterback, do not audible out of this play. Do not do anything. You run the fucking ball, and at the very least, take it down to the two-minute warning. And hopefully you get two, three yards, maybe maybe four yards. And you run the ball again on third down. And ideally, end up in a very fourth and short situation, killing more of the clock. Again, we're up three fucking scores here. Who the hell cares if we kick a last-second field goal on the set of downs? Run it, run it, run it, sure. run it. Boom. You you at least take the clock down, mitigating your risk for bad things happening, and freaking um take, take a good chance of three runs. Even two yards of carry there gets you the first down, and, and, and you're in a much better situation. Instead, they passed or allowed their quarterback to pass, put themselves in a disadvantage, disadvantageous disadvantageous situation. The The quarterback couldn't find people open, made, made two bad throws, and then they had to kick a field goal, which part of the equation of kicking field goals is they might get blocked. Yeah. It got blocked. And your punter, your punter, your, your, your punter got hurt. They scored. You allowed the Steelers back in the game. Okay. Shit happens. Shit happens. But, hey. We're going to learn from our mistakes. We're going to learn from our mistakes, and we're not going to repeat those mistakes. So you think it's same story every year. You Hold up. You think a playoff mistake that allowed a shitty team back into the game and cost you your punter might be something you rewind and look at this week. And then you get to the Chiefs game. Where are we at? Oh, we're at second and nine inside the 30 right around the two-minute warning. What, what did we do last week that didn't go well for us? We could run the ball here and, and maintain control of the clock and the advantage because we don't want to really throw and score a quick touchdown and give, give Mahomes the ball back right away. We know how that went because, again, we learned from our lessons in 2020 when we had the 13 seconds and all this. We don't want to do that again. So let's run on second down and force them to use their timeout and see what happens. Maybe we get three, four yards. We were mm-hmm. running good that game. Maybe we get five yards and can run again on third down. If not, we're playing for four sets of downs here because a field goal is trouble against Mahomes with anything over 13 seconds. So you 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 think accordingly, you apply the information from last week and you go ahead. Instead, what do we do? We throw, we put our quarterback in a disadvantageous situation where, yes, he had the man open. Yes, it was, it, it was there. But again, we weren't trying to score in one play. And two... Incompletions and errant throws and getting bumped by a pass rusher happens in passing downs. These were all variables as part of the equation. So that's, in a nutshell, why I don't think we're going to get over the Chiefs' hump because we can't even get over the lesson from last week hump.
2: Man.
1: Wash, rinse, repeat every yeah. single year with them. And I hate, I hate that I'm there right now. And I hope that at some point... Uh, as time goes on this off season that i that i'm not so jaded but like they like i said they learn it broke me like they're going to do the same thing over and over again like listening there was no inspiration after listening to the the post game uh in season press conference like it's like you could have it's like you could have played it and it could have been 18 19 20 yeah. 21 22 it, 23 and you wouldn't thing. know the year
0: one thing Two seasons ago, he was blaming the big explosive offense as the problem because we need to run the ball
1: more. Now we're running the ball more
0: and he's saying he wants more explosive plays. Yeah.
1: But he never points the finger at himself in the defense. Yeah. That's the problem. The accountability that and Ty Dunn pointed out, he doesn't have it. And if you're going to roll
0: with this guy, then you have to lean into what is quote unquote adv- advantages and Okay, the defense played well with a bunch of injury-depleted guys out there, with a bunch of backups out there. Okay, what does that information tell me going forward? I don't need to dump a ton of resources into my defense. I don't need high draft capital. I don't need the expensive free agents. I need smart Sound football players. What did what did Belichick always get for the defense? Because he knew that his strategy in mind was the one that was the real key to the defense. He got smart football players on cost-effective salaries yep. and didn't resign them to giant shit and let his offense go do what it does. As long as they got some smart stops and were advantageous when the opportunities presented themselves. We
1: got to give Bill credit for that. That's that's one thing that he did do mm-hmm. that was pretty damn extraordinary. Like he, even though I felt like he was a bad GM in terms mm-hmm. of like acquiring talent and drafting, but one of the things when you talk about the management of a game, he had it from the 53 man roster to just managing the game. I felt Bill did a really good job and he understood who Brady is, what he was, and what he had. On that offense, having Gronkowski, they were one of the first teams that decided to dive headfirst into having two tight ends. Right. Aaron Hernandez, who turned out to be a whole case in and of itself. And Rob Gronkowski. Nobody in the NFL thought of that. It was it was the Patriots. So he gets a lot of credit for that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you uh, side question here on the Belichick thing? Do you think the lack of real heat for him to get a head coaching job is the league's? unspoken vote in the Brady versus Belichick decision.
2: I think it's, I think it's Belichick, not, not pursuing jobs is what it was. He went through the Atlanta interview, but that's it. I don't, I don't think he pursued anything else. I don't, I think he looked at all the jobs that are available. Yeah. The chargers job is okay. But uh, other than that, like there's really nothing out there for him to go after. Nobody has a quarterback. Um, so I, 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 think it's more him than the league.
1: I think it's the league. I, I think they, they know who Bill Belichick is. They know who he is. Um, he's a 72 year old head coach, um, who, how many, you don't know how many more years he's got. How are you going to sell Bill Belichick long-term?
0: You just, you can't, you can't,
1: you could can, you could yeah. package Tom Brady in and something like that. But you, Bill Belichick doesn't talk to the media. You know he's kind of an ass. He's rigid. Um, like he wants to be GM too. He wants to be GM. He wants everything his way. He's gonna. And, and then I think what I, what I've heard is that the coaching staff that he's gonna bring, he's bringing all his old guys. Right. <laughs> no, who wants that? Who want? Who wants mm-hmm. McDaniel's and who who wants fucking Matt Patricia? <laughs> I, if I'm a, get the gang I'm back together, owner, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not paying for that.
0: All right, so final question of the evening here, kind of a philosophical question. Um, if you guys were taking over a losing franchise, could be the Chicago Bears, could be the Sabres, something like that, what is the one non-roster move that you would immediately do to shake things up, change the culture, turn the page, draw a line in the sand, whatever metaphor you want to use, to to differentiate between yesterday and tomorrow. that I buy you guys enough time here to to think of
1: think of an answer? Yeah, oh. I got I'll go. I'll okay, go. go for it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm spending as much money as I can in sports and nutrition, like the the weight for the facilities. I'm I'm yeah. fixing that. I'm hiring a, a sports psychologist, right? Because if I'm in a losing culture, I gotta, I gotta change stuff. I'm getting new uniforms like I'm doing a a complete uh, makeover of the franchise, like kind of like what the Washington commanders are having to do. They are having to change logos to everything because they are perennial loser. So I'm doing all the things in the back end. um, And and when I bring in, you know, my new head coach and when I draft these players, what they've thought they've heard about the commanders or said franchise uh, is it's going to be, you know, Look at that, that's shiny. I want that kind of kind of feeling. Glitz and glamour.
2: Well, you said kind of reminds me of what Mark Cuban did with the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. He um he changed the the mentality, the culture there when he took over. First thing he did was the amenities uh for the players, not just for his players, but for the visiting players. Mm-hmm. He, he upgraded everything that way. Visiting players would come in and say, Wow, they have this for us. And we're just the visitors, so yeah, I I think the amenities is the big thing, and it's not like what the Sabers did, just putting a logo on the carpet. It's yeah, you have to upgrade everything, uh, like a whole brand new thing. And I, and I I shouldn't just I should have just bashed the Sabers for that because I actually think Terry Pagula did do upgrading to the locker room. I remember they did renovations and stuff like that. But yeah, it starts with the amenities, and then. Obviously, when you're the owner, you want to bring in somebody, maybe not like not a front office change right away, but somebody who's going to tell you what you need to do with the front office yeah. to change it. Um, because yeah, if they are losers and you're taking over, then you're you you can't just like go out and be like, Okay, everyone's fired, but then what? So you have to bring in somebody to help clean up the mess. So yeah, the amenities and then and then the the czar of whatever sport you're in is what I would do. All right, gentlemen, thank you
0: for uh, joining me tonight. Next week we'll have uh, Drew Gear from the. Uh, damn it, I have gone a total blank here. From
2: <laughs> the business of sports.
0: Yeah, uh yeah. Drew Gear won the Buffalo Pocket Rock Pile Report. Man,
2: damn. Wow. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know why I drew a total a total blank on that. But next week, Drew Gear is gonna be here with us. We're gonna be talking about the business side of sports. Um, Joe, thanks for joining us. Uh, anything happening new
2: in food? Uh, not really. I've just been since I moved back to Buffalo two years ago, I've just been really kind of taking in all the Buffalo, Buffalo restaurants, seeing what they have to offer. So Follow my YouTube channel and Sweatpants Joe eats, and I'm always trying something new. So,
1: yo, I need to know where you got that hoodie from, though. This hoodie,
2: I found it in a Marshalls in Canada. So. Wow, yeah, <laughs> I love that hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I've, I was a Lakers fan when we lived in L.A. for all those years. I've since moved here, and the Raptors are the closest team, proximity-wise. Not on television. I had to pay for NBA League Pass, but I've adopted the Raptors as my team now. I was a Raptors guy during the Vince Carter era. I liked the (sighs) Raptors. Tracy McGrady. Yeah, McGrady, yeah. You remember my friend Tony, the tall guy who lived in Vegas for a little while? So when he was in elementary school, he was in the Big Brothers program, and his big brother was Jack Armstrong, who's now the color commentator of the Raptors. Oh, so nice. when we were in college, we used to go Sweet to all the Raptors color. games. Oh, nice! And he, would, he would hook us up with tickets. So I was a Raptors fan before I moved to LA, and then when I moved to LA, I, I wanted to be a Clippers fan. I couldn't do it. I became a Lakers fan, but now I'm back here. I still pay attention to the Lakers, but I'm definitely watching more Raptors games these days. So, yeah,
0: Sterling, what do you got on tap this week? I know you're on like uh,
1: shows. I'm, I'm, I'm. Listen, man. Um I have kind of taken a couple of weeks off. So, <laughs>
2: nice.
1: I'm just chilling right now. Kind of kind of recalibrating here. Now, I I'm still doing my draft stuff, but uh I haven't put out uh anything public just yet. So, that will become a wide soon. receiver yet? I I got a few wide receivers that Good. I think the Bills but uh, are they going to allocate resources to wide receiver? Like even though we know it's at glaring hole for the past three seasons, are they going to do it? Well, I don't know. They
2: should take one with every pick in the draft. Take a wide receiver. If, if they if they draft a defensive
0: player in the first round, I'm out. I, like, oh, I it's it's like, happening. It's happening. Like
2: I can't do it. Like I, not only run, is it going to be a defensive player, it's going to be secondary.
1: Bro, the run okay. on the def- uh, wide receivers are going to start early, and I think they're just going to be sitting there like just looking, and they're going to end up taking a safety or a defensive end. That's what I, that's what I think.
0: Like if you really believe you still have a legitimate chance without this going crazy. Um, I think you got to trade up and go get your guy. If there's one of those, if there's one of them there that that is a difference maker that, that fits with Allen, right. I, I think you have to go up and get him because I think I, I think if you just if you just make your offense enough a little bit better that that you can keep McDermott away from one score games, you 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 solve your biggest problem you have indirectly,
2: right? Yeah, I agree.
0: All right, gentlemen, thanks for joining me tonight. We'll be back next week, and we are clear. All right.